The war for the West is in its final battle. Bouncing puck, hooked in front, they score! Shifley's got another one! And now there's a race, Marcheseau scores! From the Emily Arena in Tampa, it is game one of the Eastern Conference Championship. So Washington go to work, Puckett scores! Struck with ferocity by Ovechkin. Zanko scores! That was simply extraordinary. Okay, over the past, like, 24 hours, I feel like I kind of understand what the Winnipeg Jets and the Las Vegas Golden Knights are kind of going through right now, and I, I, I feel like we need to just get this off my chest off the top of the show. So, last 24 hours, you know what, last night, got into one, had a good night, did my thing, you know, got in late, had a good morning, got on the train this morning, two-hour delay, two-hour train delay, just kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, like, everything's going all right, and then you, you hit a wall, and you're just kind of like, okay, this, this kind of sucks. So I see where the Winnipeg Jets are coming from right now because they've been throwing all their all they have at Marc Andre Fleury and the Vegas Golden Knights right now, and nothing seems to be working. They're down three to one in the Western Conference Final right now. The Vegas Golden Knights are one win away from the Stanley Cup. This makes absolutely no sense whatsoever right now. And I mean, I guess it's our job to kind of break that down, Spencer. So we might as well just get into that and just start trying to dissect why the hell the Golden Knights are where they are right now. That's r- that's right. Believe the impossible. Uh, I don't know. The wall, I guess, that the uh, Winnipeg Jets hit was Marc-Andre Fleury. Then 3-0 in the last three games, obviously. A 167 goals against average and a 950 save percentage on 103 shots faced in those last three games. So, I mean, when you have a goaltender, you know, stealing the show like that, it's always a good sign. And they got the offensive pieces to do this. I mean, look at that top line. They have 47 combined points in 14 playoff games this year. So it looks like they're just really striving off that one line and they're goaltending. And we go all the way back to, to that goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury. And he had an interesting little scenario back in game number three with uh, none other than Blake Wheeler. Back to the second period, you were trying to get Blake Wheeler's attention here with this piece of video. Tell us exactly what was going on. <laughs> this camera's everywhere. Eh? Can, yes. can we I, don't miss a thing. Oh my god! Uh, I don't know. There was scrambles around. I felt left out a bit. Had nothing to do and started getting involved. <laughs> well, I didn't clean my ears that day, so jokes on him. Like I said, uh, sleeze getting weird. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't. You know, it didn't. Uh, I thought it was funny. Um, it's. It's. Like I said, you know. It, things just keep getting weird. So it is what it is. Okay, so first we have Brad Marchand licking people m- on multiple occasions. Now we have Marc-Andre Fleur giving wet willies to the opposing team's captain. I mean, is he not right? Like, this league's getting absolutely just incredibly weird. It's getting weird, but I think that speaks more volumes to to how comfortable Fleury is in the net and being in this situation when, you know, you're supposed to grip the stick tighter or, you know, make the overthinks a lot of plays. Here's Fleury giving uh, people wet willies and, and having some fun. And I think like the, his success kind of translate to how calm he is in that net and how, you know, collected the Vegas golden Knights can go based off of their goaltender success. So, even though it's a little weird, even though it's not my first uh, first go-to move to do a wet willy on someone, uh, you know, it's working for Flurry. 
So we kind of have a little bit of breaking news right now. Canada fell to Switzerland today in the semifinals. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a shock considering uh, how deep that Canada roster is. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you could say besides the goaltending, not exactly the, the greatest pair of goalies in net for Canada, but you, you can't really blame them in that sense. But Switzerland upset Team Canada 3-2. to two. That one's in the books now, and USA was absolutely demolished earlier, 6 yeah. nothing by Sweden, so I, I guess we can just... That, that was not a good look there. But uh, the Switzerland team, I mean, they got they picked up Yossi and Fiala after Nashville left, so even though a lot of people were doubting them, I mean, they got some good players that only benefited them closer towards the end of the, the tournament, so look at them in the, the gold medal game. Don't forget former Montreal Canadiens fan Andrew Ghetto on that team as well. Rafael so Diaz. You might, as well, uh, might as well just throw in those a couple of shout-outs to the boys, but let's get back to the, the Vegas... Golden Knights right now. This is just, it feels like, I don't want to use the term team of destiny, but like, how else do you describe this kind of a team? Like, do you, the way I look at it right now from an NHL perspective is it's not a good look for the league if Vegas wins the Stanley Cup. How can it be a good look when an expansion team comes into the league and just absolutely takes over and, and wins the Cup in their first season? Like, that makes no sense for the league to be happy about. It probably will draw ratings in the Cup Finals just because people are looking at this story and thinking like, this is absolutely yeah. insane. Like, I can't really compare this well, to anything at all. But like, I can't see it being a really a good look for the National Hockey League. Well, I've been reading some conspiracy theories out there and saying that the NHL rigged the the drafting system to allow Vegas to have you know such a good turnout in their in their first season and really target such a wide market like Las Vegas is. So there's conspiracy theories out there, but. I don't know. It's really ridiculous what these guys are doing. The only comparable I can have is uh, Leicester City in the premiership a couple years ago where, you know, no one had them to pick, you know, even make the playoffs and they finished first in the in the entire Premier League. So I don't know. But this this Vegas team, I think we go looking back at that draft and George McPhee is the ultimate like current NHL guy, I guess, because he had his pick of all the players that he wanted for this current NHL. Right. William Carlson, his speed, every he was able to pick four lines of of complete speed and and that's what we're seeing in the playoffs is Vegas utilizing their speed and overmatching teams. I think a lot of people don't realize too a lot of their team like the the key players were acquired like via trade and like those are like yeah. just like trade conditions considering how the the draft did work for that team but like a lot of these NHL GMs have to be scratching their heads being like how did we not get this out of this player but I mean they're getting the opportunity to shine in Vegas and a lot of them are are doing so like I've been. I, I'm not shy away from thinking that William Carlson won't ever score 40 goals again in the no. NHL. But like the way you look at him this year, like how he's playing and how he's doing it, I doubt he shoots as high as he does next season. But like he's a player that's going to survive in the National Hockey League. He might not score 40 again, but he seems like a, a reliable 20 goal scorer for sure. Yeah, you, they were expecting what second line minutes out of the guy to, and and here he is a 40 goal scorer. So it, it's pretty incredible what they did. But I I think you got to look at kind of George McPhee and, and that whole management group, even getting a, a, a the perfect coach in Gerard Gallant. You you heard throughout the the last couple of games how these players are reacting to Gallant's coaching style. If they screw up or if they do do something, they know that they're not getting pressure from the head coach. They, they know Gallant's not going to bark down the, the down their necks, right? They know they can go out there and redeem themselves. And we perfect example was Nozick yesterday. He had the or a couple nights ago, he had the the penalty and he got they got scored on on while he was he had the skate of shame and then went out their next shift and and scored and capitalized for his team. So. Uh, you got to give credit to that management and that coaching style too for for the the on ice display. So we talked about what Vegas has done to be so successful. We think it's been like the depth of their scoring as well as obviously Mark Andre Fleury stood on his head like a nine fifty save percentage yeah. is absolutely just unheard of. Like that just it doesn't even add up. He's been that good for this Vegas team. But what does 
What does Winnipeg have to do to kind of get back in this series? Because by no means do I think this series is over yet. They're going back to Winnipeg. They can reestablish that momentum, win Game Five, and I think it's a whole new series. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know about you, but when I'm watching this series, I don't think it's the Vegas Golden Knights absolutely slaughtering. No, no I think Winnipeg it's the other Jets. way around. I think exactly. I think the Jets have been the better team, and I think it's just the the Golden Knights capitalizing on their opportunity i think another big thing that's helping them is in the last three games they're scoring within 90 seconds of after the jets score right so they're stalling any momentum the jets can carry on throughout that rest of the game after you know they go and score right afterwards so i think that's been a a key factor into this series is the vegas responding and responding quickly after the jets scoring and not allowing them to build off that momentum because the jets are a team that really thrives off of you know, once things are going well for them, they continue to go. It's like a big snowball effect right. kind of thing. But did you see Jonathan Marcheseau's car, his Lamborghini? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That thing looks, like, absolutely what, beautiful. And then the whole Vegas thing on the side, like, oh. And what made it better was 35 seconds in, he used his speed to yeah. score a goal like that, too. So it was perfect, like, the perfect entrance into how his game was going to be, using that speed and scoring the goal. So. I can't remember what car he was driving a couple Lamp? years ago oh. when he, it was like a Mazda or something when he first came to the rink, and now he's fucking coming in with a Lamborghini, <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, just, Man, he's the, and it's a, it's like a nice Lamborghini. It's not, I mean, there's not a bad Lamborghini, don't get yeah. me wrong here, but, like, you look at that thing and it's like, okay, I, oh, it was I see you. Up. It got yeah. the, the matted silver with, like that and the gray or the gold rims that is for the Golden Knights. So yeah, it was definitely a nice car and he he definitely knew how to uh, to style it on the ice as well. Do you think Connor Hellebuck has to be better? <sighs> yeah, I think so. I mean, you we, we look at the last couple series the Jets have been and he's been outplaying the goaltender. And I mean, it's very hard to outplay the outplay Mark Andre Fleury with those numbers, but you got to give a bit of a, a pushback like that you can't allow that goalie to just walk all over your team and have success on your team and and not really put up a fight for like, for your own team right so i think hellebuck kind of has to step up a little bit and steal this game and for game five even the game six if they push through uh, that would be big on the road too but i think he's got to step it up a bit i want to hear three players from you on the winnipeg jets that need to be better if they want to extend the series Okay, well, I think the, the first one is easy to look at, and that's Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, he's still no goals. I know he had a bit of an injury, but that's 29 goals in the regular season that definitely needed to show up. Third on the, the team points. Exactly, yeah. and, and he, he's not there. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to say, like, Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey have to step up because they're doing what they can to contain that top line, but the, you guys are the top shutdown pairing of, of the Jets. They have so much faith in you to shut down that top line and they're still going like that so i think it's easy to look at those two guys and say that they've got to they got to get into the face of that top line because they're they're having their way with this jets team and they're having fun this whole playoff so uh i think you got to look at those three players for the jets and hope that they step up for game five does mark andre Fleury have to be this good for vegas to to close this thing out as good as he's been Oh, uh, I don't, th I don't think so. Like uh, we, we saw how the Golden Knights reacted when they had like their fourth string, fifth string goalie. Like they know still how to play when, when there's a goaltender there. I think what Flurry just gives that Golden Knights is just the sense of security, right? They know, you know, if it's a two on one or breakaway going down, that Flurry's got, you know, a pretty solid chance to stop the puck as well. So. I don't think he's got to continue to play, like I said, 167 goals against average, 950 save percentage for, for Vegas to have success, but it's certainly helping. 
Okay, let's shift gears here to the Eastern Conference Final. Now, Washington, Tampa Bay all knotted up at two. The home team has lost every game in this series. And it's a little bit of a weird dynamic, but this Caps team and this Lightning team, they both seem to be playing on the road very well. We saw Washington go into Tampa Bay, completely obliterate the Lightning in the first two yeah. games, and then show up. And then they just, it's not that they didn't show up in games three and four. I thought they were the better team in game four, but still, it's back 2 2, back in Tampa Bay's favor. They have uh, home ice again. So this is kind of uh, where we're at in this series. I'm curious to see how uh, the big guns on Washington step up with Baxter back in the lineup and Ovechkin kind of trying to, to curse those demons. But like, I, I, I guess that's kind of where we stand right now. I think a lot of people think now that because the series is up 2 2, like not a lot of people wanted to believe oh, Caps up 2 0. Like, you know, they're, they're smooth sailing into the Stanley Cup. Everyone still had that doubt that. Okay, the Capitals can blow this somehow, and and here we are, 2-2. And they've been in this situation before where they went up 2-0 and and let the other team get back in the series, and then they lost four straight to to lose out, right? So it's not a a good look right now in Washington's probably tense times, and and we're seeing a bit of a line shuffle right now. Apparently, I was reading earlier this morning that they're switching their whole power play look. Now, Ovechkin's been on that left side for 13 years making his his dough from that top of the the circle and now apparently he's getting switched over to the right side to open up more more lanes, yeah. more lanes right so i think tampa's t- tampa's in washington's head right now if they're trying to make these strategies i mean 13 years you've got the one it's like oh that's ov's spot now we're switching things around and now i'm not judging it based off of that one line switch but i think tampa's in their head and and everyone f- fueling them more about that added doubt is uh, is not a good look for Washington. It's definitely a weird dynamic too because the Capitals are seven and one on the road this postseason, yeah. and same with the uh, same with the Lightning, they're five and one on the road. So it seems that the road team actually has the advantage right now, and maybe it has something to do with what I don't know if you heard the the Martin San Louis comments about being the road team and how it actually is a little easier because you're not exactly line matching, you're kind of just doing your thing on the road there. You're playing the minutes that you would normally play instead of uh, your coach matching lines and getting that last change. So. Maybe that it allows the Capitals to loosen up a bit here in Tampa Bay tonight for game number five. But for the time being, I guess we just got to to go with that and consider it deadlocked right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I had Tampa originally, and I didn't think my mind switched after the Caps went up 2-0 because we, we, that's been the storyline surrounding this Capitals team. Even though they beat Crosby and exercised their demons, well, we wanted to see what they could do in the third round. and. You said they got a good jump, and and a lot of that was some secondary scoring help. Lars Eller, who you know we we knew him from Montreal, fifty games played in the playoffs there, and he seemed almost timid and shy to to be in that moment. And here he is for Washington, scoring some big goals and and being a vital factor for when Backstrom's out. So um, even though the big boys are are coming back and, and are healthy, you know those secondary scores they still got to produce. Are you sticking with your prediction that Tampa Bay is going to head to the Stanley Cup final? I, I think so. I mean, those big, like, Stamkos has four straight power play goals, like, four go- goals and power play goals in four straight games or something ridiculous like that. The big boys are starting to play Hedman's eight or nine game point streak, too. So um, I'm like, and Vasilevsky has done a complete 180 since, it, you know, game, game two. He's been the star. So yeah. uh, I, I'm liking what this Tampa Bay team is uh, dishing out. And then you have Kuznetsov and Ovechkin on the other side, both tied for 10 goals for the team lead in this postseason. So if the Capitals want to advance here, those two are going to have to be key cogs in that formula to, to get to the next he, round. They've they've been key cogs. I mean, I think game three, they had 21 of the 
38 shots of, Yo, of Washington, have like 18 right? shot like, attempts or something it's so ridiculous those those guys have been showing up those guys have been like kuznetsov has been someone that's been a big takeaway for me this year like i i knew he was good but i didn't know he was this big of a gamer and and this guy can put a puck wherever he feels like it in the net but uh i you said those guys need to to continue being those that way and I agree. They have to be that way, but we need to see some more of that secondary scoring if the Washington Capitals want to get back in this series, even though it's tied 2-2. We are still saying they get back into the series. I wonder how a lightning Golden Knights Stanley Cup final would draw. I really don't think it would do that well, actually. I mean, like there's always the intrigue of, of Vegas being that new team in the league and looking for that first Stanley Cup, that first inaugural so season. Would... Like, I mean, it's it, it's a great story, but I don't necessarily think it would draw so well in in, in regards to, to viewership. Yeah, well, uh, I, I guess. I mean, it, it definitely would help, you know, the Jets get there and you have that whole Canadian market to still target. But I don't know, Tampa Bay, you just don't think really it's a big hockey market being, you know, in Florida and all that. But I still think it'll be it'll be good because the all-nice production will or product will be good. Both teams are like the Lamborghinis uh Marsha so drive. They're they're constantly going one speed and up and down the ice and, and that's it. So I think it'd be a pretty good series too. And despite viewership numbers, they'd have one in me. I still think it's gonna be the caps in the final against the the Golden Knights. I guess I mean it's hard to it's really hard for me to to say Winnipeg's gonna come back as much as I'm really like hoping they make a series of this. I just don't necessarily see it just the way Vegas is playing right now. It just doesn't seem all that probable. But I mean, until the caps are eliminated, it's the caps year in my opinion. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick by that narrative and just continue going on with that. Uh, I mean, we've discussed both these uh, Eastern Conference and the Western Conference final. I think it's time that we welcome in Haley Ferguson to the booth. We'll uh, do a little uh, Q and A with her. I think she's got a a couple good questions yeah. for us that uh, might get the juices flowing, the creative juices flowing from us today. I mean, it's a little bit of a uh, it's a difficult time to, to discuss everything. I mean, we've broken down both series. There isn't a lot of Leafs news out there. I mean, I kind of want to touch on John Carlson a little later on, and we will. I, I have a little thing to say about that, mm-hmm. but welcome, Haley. I mean, you can get things started. And Is that you saying, though, my questions don't usually get the juices flowing? Not no, at all. You it's, just one of those, <laughs> it's just one of those mornings. I just, <laughs> I just don't have it. Anyway, so... Uh, Let's hear it. All right, we're piggybacking this question off of uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick's 31 Thoughts podcast. I actually thought this was such an interesting topic we had to. Okay, John Tavares. Everyone's expecting him to sign this crazy and ridiculous long-term deal. Uh, you know, make all his money now. But what do you guys think about the idea of him signing a max contract for two years right now? And then getting a second payday, possibly. I mean, at, at even a bigger term, I could like in a in an ideal world, you could see someone doing that to kind of play for a contender for those two years and try to win that Stanley Cup. Whether he goes to like a not in that even scenario, a contender, like a, I could see him going to a Pittsburgh or like a a team like that yeah. in that situation where they would do that. But I don't see him going for the money just for those two years. Just to let's say he goes to wherever. Give me an example, maybe a Pittsburgh, Dallas or yeah. something or somewhere somewhere of that nature. Philadelphia, I just, was Philadelphia. Mentioned. Something like that. I don't necessarily see that. I mean, sure, it's a possibility, but I, I really think as a player, you want to maximize your your value when you're at your peak. And I think John Devereux is at his peak right now, so he has to do his best to to get all the money he can right now, and, and then and then go from there. Yeah, the Tavares wouldn't be the player. I would definitely try that that on. Yeah. Uh, it's going against the the cloth here about you know maximizing on the uh, you know getting your security in the seven eight year deals. 
and, and reaching that max value. But I mean, we could it could be a thing. Like, look at the NBA, right? How many times is LeBron mm-hmm. James up for being a free agent? You know, twenty eighteen exactly, right? So uh, it, it'd definitely be interesting, right? You get a lot more player personnel movements and stuff like that, which would be always good for the game, but. Uh, I just don't see Tavares being that one guy starting it off but, with that. But what if it is because he is the example of getting locked in on a terrible team? Well, he, he has should, been he locked in now. for so long. Maybe he doesn't want to commit. Well, he, he shouldn't be like he, when Tavares hits free agency. Like, I I like the idea of okay, opening up to all thirty-one teams and saying, "Hey, what do you guys? Are you guys interested in me? Because you're a type of player that can sell garner, me on you. Exactly, you can garner all thirty-one teams of interest, right? So, if I'm Tavares, I'd be like, "Okay, whoever wants to offer me the best deal, give it to me." But it's on you guys to make the moves to to get me there, right? So for Pittsburgh, it's on you to try and ship out Broussard and whoever else is taking up all this money to get me there. But, um. I mean, that would suck for Montreal or teams like that. that really well, there was a comment it. the other day that basically said he wasn't even interested in Montreal, so that kind of might shut down those rumors. Yeah, because it, but those like, are, I mean, it's hearsay, I guess. I, I get it because he's he's done that before, right? He's been on New, New York for forever now, right? And he was playing on a crap team forever. He just wants to go out a and win. A crap team, a crap arena, a yeah, crap he fan wants, base. He wants crap to president go. and owner. Like, oh, my God. The G- list goes uh, on. GM, throw that in there, too. But... He wants to play for a winner, right? And what he deserves right to play now, for a winner. The teams that the only team I can really see being, you know, into it is the Sharks or San Jose, yeah, or the Golden Knights that are right there of winning the Stanley Cup. But other than that, he's facing teams like Montreal, who's got a ton of cap space, but it's not the best situation to go and win right now. So I don't know, Tavares. Tavares is, I think he's in the driver's seat. Uh, you yeah. go out and say to the, to the rest of the league, "Hey, yeah, I, I'll go wherever." Sell me. Yeah, I'll go wherever you do your part to get me there. That's the thing, though. Like he has the ability as a as an unrestricted free agent to choose the best fit for him, and yeah. he decides where where he wants to go. Whether that's a winner, whether that's an up and coming team, he gets at the end of the day, he has the decision. So, in regards I, to what Haley's kind of saying, I like I like, I think that... I like to picture like all thirty one teams sending like a representative team to his uh, aid free or his uh, agent's office and them all meeting in the. Uh, in the in the waiting room that like happened like <laughs> five or six years ago who was the free agent that people were doing that with um that's oh, gonna bother me i don't know richards richards thank you brad richards yeah they they were all lined and up they were at all the, just awkwardly yeah. outside <laughs> and the media was covered it was incredibly <laughs> awkward and i just i cringe thinking about that again but anyways let's move on to our second favorite topic only behind evander kane the carolina hurricanes jeff skinner's bbm pin yeah yes well he is the topic of discussion once again, uh, we're going to rip this off another podcast, the Bobcast. He was talking about uh, the idea that Jeff Skinner is on the market for trade, despite the fact that he has a no movement clause. Uh, but another interesting that name. Be an issue. It, no, he, <laughs> I, he's Sia. <laughs> okay, so the other name is Noah Hannafin. He's a restricted free agent at the end of his entry level deal. He's getting a ton of attention. Who goes first, Jeff Skinner or Noah Hannafin? Well, it's it's no secret that Hannafin has about a million times more value than Jeff Skinner, and that's nothing against Jeff Skinner. No. I just think that Hannafin is a young defenseman that can absolutely anchor a blue line, if not as soon as possible, and that's the kind of defenseman that teams don't usually let become available. Mm-hmm. So if this guy's on the market, I would throw the house at him if I'm another team looking for that big defenseman. Speaking of that, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm throwing the house at oh, I'm throwing yeah. an offer at him, and I'm saying, come, was- come play with Morgan Riley. Come play with the guys here, and it's just... 
What was that deal that you saw yeah, before? Yeah, so well, we were okay, talking that, about that, this. That's all kind of junk stuff, though. But a lot of... But well, there's it one was person funny. Put, it's like, funny. It's Josh Levo in a third. No, like, no, no, fans no, no, this, no. This is like, funny. It was like... Cro- <laughs> it was, I was going to say Crosby. It was Kadri and uh, the rights to William <laughs> Nylander for the rights to Noah Hannafin. <laughs> but, like... I, obviously, that, that's gonna be we that's gonna be a, ridiculous. We like that, that doesn't make any sense at all. But, but I agree. I, I think Hannafin's that type of guy, right? He was a very high pick. I think he was fourth overall, fifth overall. Third, fifth. Yeah, he was somewhere. He was uh, definitely yeah. in the top ten. But he's one of those guys, like what Zach said. He can come in and definitely anchor uh, the blue line. Big body. Uh, I, I know he's a left-handed shot, but big body can move the puck really well. He's your prototypical NHL defenseman you would want in the league during this time. So I think Hannafin will definitely have a lot of interest. That's just because, you know, the crazy owner Dundon over there doesn't <laughs> want to pay anyone anymore. So he knows Hannafin's going to be in for a big payday, and they're trying to get rid of him. But I don't know how much you can fetch for that's a restricted thing. free so agent, though. You guys, like, not neither of you really question, answered my I question. Say, okay, I say Skinner, who goes my boy. first? Skinner. I think because, Skinner. That's what I was yeah. kind of... Yeah, I think Skinner, just because of he has value, yeah. but I don't think that, like... We're it's already, not an easy trade to make with Hannafin right now. No, we're already hearing, like, Los Angeles Kings are all over Skinner, too. So, like you said, he's got the no-move clause, but I'm sure, you know, Don Waddell shows up to Jeff Skinner. Hey, we're going to need you to wave <laughs> yeah. it. we got a deal to L.A. And he's happy to do it. He's Thanks, like, uh, here's my pin. Like, Thanks, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, like, right. He gives the pin that if easy. They ask for his <laughs> list of okay teams to go. He hands over a 30, li- yeah, 30 exactly. names. Here you go, like. So I, I don't know, but I think Justin Falk's another guy, too. Yeah, like, they want to get rid of I'd everyone be all over, over there. Might be all over he's that. your right-handed defenseman that the Leafs could, could get. I mean, he's lo- he's got Pretty, he's still locked into a contract, but he's your right-handed defenseman. That could be a nice match with uh, Riley on that side. So uh, plus he's co-captain just material. Saying, just saying, co-captain. Yeah, co-captain. Interesting. Okay, so my last question is kind of a fun one. Spencer and I were watching that Canada game earlier, and uh, Switzerland was using um, the yodeling kid. Yep. As their the remix as their goal song. <laughs> so what's worse? The Yodeling that, Kid remix or the Hey Baby that the Team World Canada. Junior Canada play? I, I, I think I need to hear the Yodeling Kid, but I also don't want to hear it at the same time. But I'm going I with that one. I'm trolls. going with that 100% because, like, <laughs> as bad as the Hey Baby was, like, this is just, that doesn't even, that sounds awful. And I don't yeah. even want to hear it. Like, that just, that makes me cringe to think about really? it. I'm like, I have shivers down my spine because I don't like it. I thought you being yeah. a country guy would like the ty- type of twang he's bringing. But no, uh, no, no. It's, no, that is, don't even, don't even compare. Sorry. Please Sorry. don't. That was offensive. Please. Sorry. I, I, I mean, I agree, though. That the Yodeling Kid is, uh, is definitely. Really, it was one of those things like they scored, and I was like, That can't be right. And like, Spencer and I were like, Right by the speaker, he's like, (laughs) Oh, that makes me cringe. No, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Ah, not a, not a, I mean, because it's got some sick drops in it. That remix, it depends on the remix, depends on the remix. So, we'll see the Switzerland remix Mm, that they do, but I'm uh, fine, I'm good. Yeah, that's I'm uh, gonna gonna stay clear of that. I'm just gonna try to pretend that didn't happen, but uh, I want to kind of shift gears back to the Maple Leafs. Okay. Before we uh, before we wrap things up here, just okay. Is this a lot of people are are talking about how the Leafs need a defenseman on the back end, and I'm not denying that. I think they obviously need help on the back end. They can score up front. That doesn't seem to be an issue right now. They are going to have some cap issues in a few years, but this year they do have a lot of cap space to kind of play with. But you look at 
how they're going to approach this offseason, how Kyle Dubas, his first year as general manager, is going to approach free agency with all the free agents that they have and how they can kind of maybe restructure this team a bit in a different way because it seems that they're they're headed in that young direction with the guys that Dubas has helped develop with the Marlies and such. I mean, you have a bunch of guys down there. Whether whether Timothy Lilligren is going to be the next top pairing guy for the least remains to be seen, but he's certainly a promising guy in the system. He made some impact with the Marlies this year, but... I really want to focus on on John Carlson right now. This guy is going to get paid this offseason, and I don't think it's a good idea if the Maple Leafs are the team that tries to pay John Carlson. And I'm going to say that for a few reasons. Usually in most scenarios, I mean, the Washington Capitals are pretty cap-strung right now, so they don't necessarily have all of the, the resources they can to, to pay John Carlson what he's going to earn on that free agent market. But... There's usually a reason why guys hit the free agent market. There's usually an, an underlying kind of mention why they're there for the reason. I'm not saying John Carlson isn't a top-pairing defenseman. He absolutely is a top-pairing defenseman. He, he There's a reason he scored the most points in the defenseman in the league this year. That There's a big reason why. He's very good on the power play. He has that shot that can kind of get through from the point. He knows how to, to orchestrate the man advantage, and he's few to, few to none in the NHL can do that. I mean, you look at guys like whether it's uh, a P.K. Subban, whether it's uh, an Eric Carlson, those are those are the type of guys that can do that on a power play, and, and John Carlson's right up there with them. But I just I don't think it would be wise for the Leafs to get really cap-strung on a guy like John Carlson who's likely going to get in between six and eight years on this contract, and I, I would say upwards of $7 million. And it just, as much as they have a need for a defenseman, I think they really need to stick the course. They need to develop the young defenseman, whether it's Dermott, whether it's Lilligren, continue to draft well like they have been in the past few years. And if a top four defenseman is in free agency that's not going to get that big money, I, I say you go out, you try to sign him, and you do similar to what you did with Ron Hainsey this year. Ron Hainsey was a big addition to the club. He made a big impact with the Maple Leafs this year. But I just don't think it would be wise for the Maple Leafs to go out and spend all that money on John Carlson. Uh, yeah, I think I, I can agree with pretty much most of, of that. Uh, you look at the 2019 defense free agent class, and, and that's way, 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 way better than you got Ekman Larson, Drew Doughty. Hey, so we're probably going to see a lot of teams trying to stay the course, not spend too much money this free agency, because next two years from now, the 2019 free agency class will be crazy. But I I, I do agree, agree. John Carlson's not the type of guy that should come into Toronto. It's going against the cloth. I think with Kyle Dubas now stepping in, it's really them taking that next step towards being contenders, right? But they want to do it their way. And Dubas is really, he knows what he has in his system. And he, like, he spent his f- first four years, three years dealing with the Marlies. He, so he knows the players coming up. We look at, you know, the four signings that they made. I know two of them were already prospects are part of the system. But the other two, this o- o- Ozigananov or yeah, whatever, ra- this Russian guy, he's the right-handed shot too. He can come in and ha- – I don't want to say he's like Nikita Zaitsev because he's completely different from what I've been reading. He's more f- physical, and he won the KHL's hardest shot, so he's got a shot from the point. But I, I think that, that those are the steps that the- this Leafs team is going to take is getting these younger players that can come in and really see what they can prove to – be in the NHL, right? Nikita's be developed by Mike Babcock too. That doesn't hurt to, to kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. Mike Babcock had his uh, his say of getting this guy over too. So I I agree. You don't want to go and and because re- your forwards right now, you your in house forwards Marner, Matthews, Nylander, they should be the ones taking up all your money. You don't want to go off 
off the the path here and and pick up a guy like John Carlson for like you said he will go for that much especially having a career year this year uh he'll go for you know six seven million dollars so I I agree yeah you don't go pick up a guy like that right now um because you, I don't think this team's really yet to compete for a Stanley Cup I know they're they're getting there they're getting room to, to they're be in between ready. competitor and like they're in that little exactly. tweener status well and, and and I look back to Boston and Tampa right you look at what they did at the trade deadline going to get McDonough and, and Nash and all that they're getting those pieces for these long playoff runs and they kind of stayed the course I mean they got placanics but they kind of stayed the course and didn't make that big impact move because they knew internally they weren't ready for a Stanley Cup yet anything else from you uh, Marion Hosa retired after 19 seasons. I know I he, actually didn't see that. Yeah, so I, uh, I know he uh, he sat out last year due to health conditions, and I don't think it got any better or progressed for him to play next year. So he's officially called it a career after 19 seasons. He was uh, very underrated. Three-time Stanley Cup champ. I remember he was like flip-flopping back and forth. He was chasing the cup with Detroit. And, and then he was with Pittsburgh and... when Detroit won, and then the next year signed with Detroit when, the Pit- when Penguins won. So it, he didn't win until sh- Chicago, but... Uh, 19 years, I think uh, he deserves a, a bit of a shout-out on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, he'll be headed to the Hall. I, I, have, I have few doubts in that. But I guess uh, you're right, definitely a shout-out for Marion Hosa. Uh, on that note, we do have an event coming up on June 27th and 28th. It is the annual Puck Talks Festival, uh, 27th, headlined by Chris Johnston, a good buddy of ours who will eventually come on this podcast. We haven't really asked him. He kind of right promised, though. I mean, he's in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, those are sort of important, but he did kind of promise us that he was going to make an appearance. We just had to, to text him, yeah, but I he have, just, you know, he doesn't respond to my text. I so, I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. We, we, have the, we have the physical evidence that he is going to come on the podcast, but down goes Brown as well on the 27th. You got a, a nice panel there as well. Sam Cosentino, draft expert. Yeah. Uh, it's around Dangle. that time, too. Andy Kyoto, uh, definitely a good group of guys there on the 27th and the 28th. Uh, you got guys like Justin Bohr and Scott Wheeler, Tyler Dello, yeah. Sean Fitzgerald, just a great mix of people there. More to be announced. So uh, keep your eyes locked on that and uh, purchase tickets on homestandsports.ca and you can find the Puck Talks Festival tickets. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great night as always. So Nights. Nights. Nights up. Double. Plural. You're right. You're right. You're exactly right. So uh, looking forward to that for sure. But for the time being, for Haley Ferguson and Spencer Lucy, I'm Zach Cook. We'll uh, see you later. Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM. 